Hello, everyone. Welcome to the background of the top. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hi, hello. Hello, Lisa. How you doing? Thank you so much for having me on your podcast today. Of course. Welcome. Welcome to the background of the top. And uh, we are really, really excited about your interview and this podcast because you are breaking some history and you are really, really making history for a Latino community and our uh, immigrant community and our Latinas. So we want to, of course, talk about that. But Uh, before we do that, I just want to make sure that I do the proper introduction. So we have today in our podcast, Luisa Mendoza. She's the founder and CEO of Global Tourist Sports and Entertainment. She's an entrepreneur, a business growth strategist, an investor, a community builder, and a business advisor. Um, she is the first U.S. Hispanic female to create a sports entertainment And, tour and tourism company that is revolutionizing already the way these entities are marketing and monetizing. Um, she says that she is forever grateful to her mentors that inspire her to pursue the sports and tourism industry. And we believe that you are right in the spot here where we really try to inspire and mentor not just young Uh, leaders in the Americas, but also people who it's in the mid-level, you know, management positions who want to hear from an individual like you. So welcome again. Thank you so much, John, for that beautiful introduction. Um, such an honor to be here. And uh, yeah, it's been an amazing journey. Um, I feel really blessed to have this opportunity to be trailblazing in a male industry. Um, as we know, sports has always been dominated um, by males and, and mostly prominent um, Caucasian men. Um, so it has been quite a journey to be uh, one of the only, if not the only female in these rooms when I go into these board meetings and um, being the, the only female that is Hispanic in these rooms. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, my goal is uh, to inspire young women and to inspire young girls, as I told my daughter, um, the first time that we had our advisory council meeting, um, the night before we were getting ready for bed. And I said to her, I said, Oh, honey, I really wish you could come with me tomorrow to see um, mommy's first advisory board meeting. She said, Mom, you're the founder and CEO, you can make that call. <laughs> That's so cool. That's so cool. And I was like, you know what, you're right. You're right. So I said to her the next morning, I'm like, let me think about it. Um, and I, because you know, I was like, am I going to be like, is she going to distract me? But then that night I was like, no, like, this is what my mission is. I want to inspire right. young girls and I need to start with my daughter. Right. So I told her, you're not going to school today and you're coming with me. Um, and I had a little slide for her because um, she's a hero in, a, in her, you know, all by herself. Like this girl, we'll get into that later um, if there's time. But Um, when we were at the board meeting, I, uh, I looked at her and I said, sweetheart, I want you to take a moment right now to look around this room and realize that we as women, as Latinas, we also have a place 
at the board table. And for me, I felt like that was such a powerful statement for her to live that because she's going to grow up knowing that it is possible and that we can break through any glass ceiling. So and that that is that is incredible that you already inspiring your daughter to be in the ballroom and to see what it's possible. I think a lot of our kids around the country and around the world are looking for um, individuals like you that can inspire them to see that the future is much more than what they think they could accomplish. So, and that's why you're here and that's why we invited you today. But thank um, you. Thank you. <laughs> but, but, you know, uh, I feel inspired already. Um, but, um, oh my God, we're like, we're like four minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but Luisa, I know this, this uh, is not something that was easy to accomplish. So uh, oh, no. I want I want you to spend some some time um, sharing with our listeners um, where you came from. Uh, what what it, if you want to share? Of course, uh, parts of your of your parents' um, story yeah. coming into the United States. I know you are a Floridian um, uh, because you lived here in Florida, where we have our headquarters for our podcast here in the United States. But you also now live in New York. Uh, so yes. we're going to touch upon that transition maybe in a little in a little bit. But tell us, who is Luisa, um, where you came from, how you ended in, in, in Florida and how you ended then in New York. And, and then we take it from there. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, John. So, yes, um, I'm going to take you way back. <laughs> so um, I actually um, was born in Bogota, Colombia. And um, my parents, um, so I'm a miracle baby. So let me take it way, way back. Okay. Um, my mom was told for 10 years that she was never going to have a child, like that it was scientifically impossible for her to give birth because of complications she had had previously um, and her fallopian tubes. Like literally the doctor drew her a picture and was like, you, your fallopian tubes will never be able to allow a egg to come down. Get, mm. You know, I'm going to get real graphic with you. And the same doctor that said that to my mom, 10 years was the one that delivered me. Wow. So I think it's in my genes. It's in my DNA to be a fighter and, um, you know, to, to persevere. Um, you know, you hear the story of people that they were born a fighter because they, you know, were like almost at like when they were about to be born, there were complications. But before I was even conceived, I was already fighting, trying to make my way into this universe. Wow. Um, so, you know, my parents had me at a much later age. My father um, had me um, in his late 40s. My mom had me at 35. Um, so, you know, when I was four years old, my parents um, in Colombia, this is late 80s, my mom and my dad were like, you know, um, as much as we love our country and as love as much as we love the culture and everything that our country has, um, the reality is that we do not have the security for her in terms of, um, you know, economics and the, and, and the way um, the government was at the time. Um, so my parents uh, sacrificed everything. Um, my father was about one promotion away from becoming president for the bank that he was working in in Colombia. And my mom was an entrepreneur. She did interior design. 
um, and they left everything behind and they came back to this country. My father was now at this point in his early 50s. Um, my mom was in her early 40s and um, they left everything behind so that their daughter could have a chance at the American dream. Mm. And so, John, seeing my parents in Colombia so successful, I can remember so clearly my father coming home with his suitcase, like right, his professional suitcase every night. And his um, he, he my dad is so GQ. He used to get his shoes shined every day. Mm. used to go for manicures once a week and they left all of that to come to this country for me to have a chance at the American dream and they started cleaning houses and they started cleaning offices so very young you know my parents used to pick me up after school and I would have to go and clean offices with them at the age of six seven years old Um, in the weekends we used to go clean people's houses and you know I saw my parents hustle so hard and I made a promise to my parents when I was about 10 years old I said mommy and daddy I promise you guys that one day I am going to retire you I am going to be your 401k and I am going to take care of you guys and that for me was my motivation Um, they were my inspiration and I just I'm so thankful that my parents sacrificed so much so that we could live the life we have today wow that's such an incredible story I I know that we when we met the first time um, you share a lot of what you uh, what you have overcome uh, as a businesswoman, but I never really learned about this story about your mom and how they transitioned into the United States. That is incredible, and and many many young adults here again in the United States are are going through the same thing, um, or they maybe just went through the same thing, and sometimes they don't share. So thank you for sharing. Um, so what happened after? So you move here, you study here. I, I, I yep. guess you move into Florida. Yep, I moved to right? Florida. Um, we we moved to Florida, um, and we ended up living in Fort Lauderdale, um, in plantation. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you know, from a very young age, you know, I've been hustling because I remember <laughs> uh, my first entrepreneurship job that I had was uh, I wanted to buy my mom and my dad a gift. Uh, my mom, excuse me, a gift for um, Mother's Day, and I told my dad I was gonna go and make some money. And my dad looks at me like, "You're five years old. Like, what <laughs> the heck are you talking about?" Right. So I said, "I got this." So I grabbed my box and I put all my dolls in my books. And I went door to door selling them to my next door neighbors. And I made all this money because, of course, I was like, hi, would you like to buy a dollar a book? I'm saving money to buy a gift for my mom. And they fell in love with me. And they're like, keep the doll and keep the book. And here's five dollars. I'm like, this is 100 percent profit. Yes. So that was my first entrepreneurship job. Um, again, I really humble beginnings. Like I remember moving to Fort Lauderdale and, um, you know, we first lived with my aunts and my uncles. First, we lived in Miami and then we moved to Fort Lauderdale. And so I'm so thankful for my aunts and my uncles that helped us. But once we got our own little apartment, I remember our first dining room table was a cardboard box. And, you know, we were just so happy to have our own place and to have our own home. And, and so, with all of that said, I share that and I go so and uh, I go in so much depth with you guys so that you can see like why that motivation to to be someone and, and to seguir adelante, right? right? To go forward. So let me and, ask you a question. So yeah. what what uh, what do you bought to your to your mom, to your parents, after you collect all this money? Oh, I, I know. <laughs> so this is the 
funny question. I'm like, mommy, do you remember what I bought you? I think the excitement of making all the money, I forgot what I bought her. I think I may have bought her like roses because my mm. mom loves red roses. Right, right. So um, we, we, we were talking about that the other day. I'm like, mommy, do you remember what I bought you? And she goes, I think it was roses, but we were just so shocked that you went and made all this money on your own. Oh my God. <laughs> um, but yeah, and you know, and then for when it was my sweet 15, I, I mm -hmm. wanted to, um, I wanted to have a sweet 15 and there was no way my parents could afford it. So I used to sell candy in school, um, 25 cents, 50 cents a dollar and doing that and also uh, tutoring um, two kids where I lived, I saved up like $5,000 and I was able to help my parents pay for my sweet 15 and I had my beautiful big dress and it was just absolutely amazing. And so I share that because very young, I started realizing that it was all about desire and passion and really, you know, setting yourself a, a, a goal and that anything was really attainable if you just had the the strength and the courage and the passion to 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 make it happen. Right. Um, by the time I got to high school, I um, wanted to get a car. And of course, there was no way my parents go, were going to afford that. So I got a job at the mall at Sawgrass Mills Mall. I was one of those little girls mm -hmm. that used to work in the middle of the kiosk selling body jewelry. And it was funny because I only had my uh, earrings pierced but um <laughs> <laughs> so only my ears were pierced but I was selling like uh, body okay. jewelry and I made about um ten thousand dollars and I went into the dealership and I wanted a Chrysler Sebring convertible it was going for remember. like thirteen thousand yeah, wow. <laughs> I think I told you this story. Yeah. And, um, and I wanted to buy this. And so um, they were like, No, it's 13,000. And I looked at the salesman in the eye. And I said to him, "Will you tell me how many people have come into your dealership with $10,000 cash in hand, not with mommy and daddy's money, but because they worked for it themselves. And he looked at me and he's like, you're the first one. I said, Well, you either give it to me for 9500. Or you just lost a sale tonight. And I got up and I turned around and he goes, Luisa, and he threw me the keys. And, oh, and again, that was like, you know, one of those moments where I realized like hard work and, and, and just negotiating, right? right. Was like, as a Colombiana, I, <laughs> I, I learned very young how to negotiate. Um, thanks to my mom and my dad for that, especially my mom. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, so so what happened? So when I was in high school, I was very fortunate that I was in this uh, program through the National Academy Foundation, today known as NAF, a program that started by Sandy Wiles here in New York. And um, I was in the Academy of Hospitality and Tourism, and it was amazing why I went into that program. It was because of a teacher that I really, I thought there was such a great synergy between her and I. And I, you know, she just, I felt she could guide me. And so, so Lisa, this, how, uh, let, yeah. let's stop there for a minute. Sure, so sure. just, just by, by going through your story, there, there has been individuals in your life that had pivot the way that your journey was going since oh, since you yeah. were in different places in your career until that part of the story how how big you think is it's having a mentor or having someone who believes in you in your kids with your mom your parents your dad but also you had someone outside of your your home setup right that was also oh, yeah. vouching for you and putting you and i know this individual this person that maybe you're going to bring into the conversation who really helped you to transform you professionally that I remember that you shared with me last mm -hmm. time we spoke or the first time we yeah. spoke. We've been talking for yeah. several years now for at least two <laughs> years. So one, I don't remember. I feel like I know you forever, but, but it's <laughs> so, so just, just maybe just so we could share with the listeners 
how important you think it's to have someone that could help you or finding someone that could help you to accomplish your goals? That's a perfect segue. And, um, It's absolutely, I would say I would not be where I am today if it was not for my mentor, Mark Gatley. Um, He's the general manager of the Broward County Convention Center. And so when I was in high school, I had to give a presentation to all of the like tourism industry in Fort Lauderdale. And that night I had to give a presentation of how a mentor could impact the life of a high school student. And so I kind of walked them through the story that I just did with you, that I, you know, shared Mm -hmm. with you and the listeners. And I had them close their eyes and picture that they gave up everything and had to move to China tomorrow Mm. um, to give up everything for their kids. And so Um, I said, open up your eyes. That's the story of my life. You know, my parents gave up everything, Mm. careers, jobs, the whole nine. And Mark Gatley took me under his wing. And he just that night, you know, he said, I want to help you. Um, And long story short, he um, then went on to uh, giving me the opportunity to interview with his HR and with uh, Tui Wong at the time, which was the director of operations. And so I had an opportunity to become the first high school intern at the Broward County Convention Center and completely fell in love with the tourism industry. Mm. And, um, you know, and, and, and here we are almost 20 years later, every time I've had to do a career transition or I've had a new job job offer. He's the man that I call every time. I call him my angel in a business suit. Mm-hmm. I call him El Jefito. <laughs> I mean, this man, um, when I was going to get married, um, I actually invited him to my wedding in New York. And I asked him if he would walk me down the aisle with my father, because that's the kind of impact wow. he had in my life. And for me, I tell him, you know, you're you're a second father to me. He never had kids, but you know, it's such a strong bond. I feel like I'm the daughter that he never had. Mm. And, and it, it's just such a, a beautiful relationship that we have of, of utmost respect. And, and just, he always was cheering for me because again, my parents didn't have that, you know, that, that black book where they had all of their contacts and they had all of this network that they could help me get jobs and so right. forth. But Mark was that person that was able to open up the door for me and made me realize that yeah I could go into the corporate world and yes I could you know go up the ranks and and he was just I mean we could do a whole segment just on all the story like all the lessons he taught me but the real big thing with him he said Luisa I because I was so in depth like my gratitude was so deep and I'm like how can I ever thank you and he said Luisa I just ask you three things one never forget where you came Mm. from two pay it forward and bought me the movie and three he goes if you he goes if I ever need a job will you hire me as a security guard and I'm like are you kidding I'm a high school intern and you're like Mr. Big GM big shot and he's like no Luisa life can do a lot of spins and turns and I get it now of course I get it now um so yeah that that's that that's uh I I think that definitely answers the the impact and the importance of having a mentor in your life and and even when I was transitioning right so I went from being um so I guess now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working in the industry in Fort Lauderdale and doing great. And my dream was always to move to New York. And I had an opportunity to move up here. Um, my ex-husband, actually, he um, was relocated up here. And we knew that that would be the opportunity for me to come up. And we retired my mom and my dad and we um, brought them to New mm-hmm. York. And they, um, you know, were able to enjoy life and enjoy their granddaughter. Um, and so I, my, my, you know, I had an opportunity to work for many 
Marriott International when I worked up when I moved up here. But then I went on to work in different companies. But the highlight for me in my tourism industry, I would say definitely was working for NYC and Company, which is the official tourism office for New York, Mm -hmm. where I was director of Spain, Latin America and the U.S. Hispanic market. And I thought that was my dream job. I thought like, hey, like it doesn't get better than this. And then I had an opportunity to go work for the Brooklyn Nets um, for the NBA. And I thought I was never going to end up in sports. Like, I love sports. <laughs> I was about to ask like, you, like, no. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, I'm Colombian too. So it's like sports is a big thing. I imagine your parents are mm-hmm. big on sports and they oh, wear yeah. the shirt every time Colombia plays. Oh, yeah. Um, I of remember course. when I used to work at, at CUNY at the City University of New York and Colombia used to play. I used to wear the shirt to all my meetings and people were like, this guy is crazy. Uh, but yeah. but so uh, sports is a big thing for us in Colombia, and I, I imagine that you inherit that with your with your parents' culture. Uh, mm-hmm. So how is that? And you ended, you know, uh, uh, working um, at a company or a team that is basketball, which is not really big in Colombia. So how that really play into into your your background? Like you were connected sure. to sports, but you were not. You really didn't like sports. But how yeah, was that so- mix? So I actually got um, recruited through LinkedIn, again, the power of LinkedIn and having a great um, page Mm. and, you know, having all of that. That's so important. I can't uh, overemphasize how important LinkedIn is because the last two jobs I had before I became an entrepreneur were all through LinkedIn connections. Mm. But um, really, I would say that when they reached out to me, I was like, oh, thank you so much. Like, that's so sweet of you for thinking of me. But I was like, I am not leaving NYC and company. This is my dream (laughs) job. What am I going to go do in sports? But there was two big things for me that um, that I had an opportunity that why I took the opportunity. One, when I met with my former bosses, uh, Kirk King and Dan Lefton um, and Mike Z at the time, they said pretty much they were like, look, Louisa, we don't know anything when it comes to tourism here. Like our life is sports. We are, we'll teach you everything sports, but we need somebody that is a tourism expert to come and build a tourism pillar for our company mm. and um, and that vertical for us. And so for me, I knew long run, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I'm like, hold on, this is like an opportunity to start a business within a business so I can start a business on somebody else's <laughs> Like That's a good opportunity, right? right? So um, that was first. And then second, they, um, Kirk, I'll never forget these words. He said, I am giving you a, a canvas, a white canvas. This is your paintbrush wow. and you get to paint this. So and it was also like having the opportunity to go from director of Spain, Latin America and the U.S. Hispanic market to go to being director of global tourism development. So I felt like the doors were opening up for me. And so I took the opportunity and it was the best thing that could have happened. I mean, within six months, we started just trailblazing and doing things that no other team had done. Um, I think the eye opener for me was when I met with the U.S. Travel Association with Jeff there. And he said, Luisa, it is just crazy to think that out of all of the sports team, we're talking about NFL, NBA, um, NHL, MLB like every league there's only five teams that have a tourism vertical and of those five teams Mm. only one team hired a tourism expert to come and build that and that was the Brooklyn Nets and I'm like no that's insane 
So he asked me if I would give a presentation, a webinar, and then he asked me if I would um, speak at IPW, which is the largest trade show. And I spoke to the heart from the heart. I said, listen, you know, while sports is super competitive and tourism, we're a big family. I'm like 24% of international travelers want to come to the U.S. to see a sporting event. Like whatever you guys need help in, like I'm here for you. You have a sister in Brooklyn. Call me up and I'm glad to help. Mm. And that's literally what happened. They started calling me um, and I was helping them. On the other hand, my my clients were like, you get this tourism industry because you we could tell you you like most of your career has been in it. So that was for me a no brainer to say, like, okay, I totally need to start a, a, a company that is bridging the gap between sports and tourism. And that's how GTSE, Global Tourism, Sports and Entertainment, was born. Um, I had the great privilege to bring on a very talented um, man. His name is Tim Carter. He's a Columbia grad um, in um, data analytics on sports and so together we we started this and and the company launched january 8th and then uh yeah so just a few months ago and then of course we know so much has happened um in in these past few weeks and stuff but uh, we'll get into that in a bit so um before we get into exactly what you're doing now your company and 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 you know and and how is that uh something that you could set something that you you feel is your next stop, right? So different goals through your life, you started to accomplish mm-hmm. them little by little. I have a big question is you never had, or you were not an expert on sports, right? Um, how mm-hmm. big, and you talk about something that I love, which is LinkedIn, which people, sometimes when I ask people, like, can I get your LinkedIn? People ask me like, what is that? And I'm like, oh my God. Um, but you know, for, for all the individuals who are listening, you know, LinkedIn is super powerful. I, I had my first official gig through LinkedIn, like my first super job executive role was through LinkedIn. And that's when I, I was like, and that was maybe 12, 13 years ago. So I completely agree with you. It's super important to have that, that network, um, and that platform updated and up and running, but uh, my question is more about the transitioning of skills, right? Because I think that a, a big thing that you did when you transfer into the tourism, the 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 industry that you were super, you know, flexible, super ac- accomplishing all the goals, doing everything, and then, then you move into a sports. A lot of people nowadays, especially with what is happening, is scared of transitioning to something new. Not completely right. new, but something that it's not their core of what they do every day. And they don't understand mm-hmm. that they have skills and they have tools that they could transfer into other industries. So I'm, I'm curious for you to share just a little bit of how was the transition, how you ended like saying, oh, yes, I could do this tourism in, in culinary. I could do this in, you know, whatever industry yeah. I'm going to transfer that skill. So how was that transition it was hard at the beginning. It was completely set up. Uh, how 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 was that experience? Sure, that's a great question, um, John. And so, you know, I was very frank. I think you have to be very honest and understanding what your skill set is and what your strengths are. And so, I said to my bosses at uh, BSE Global, I said to them, "I'm like, look, my background, my strength is tourism, and I know tourism like the back of my hand." but I'm going to need you guys to train me on Mm. the sports side. And so when I got there, 
I had, uh, you know, it was very, I was not pretending to know something that I didn't yeah. know. I was very forthcoming and under and, and letting them know that I needed to understand the sports side of things so that I could really manage it and I could create um, a strategy that would work and that would, you know, allow us to increase our sales, et cetera. And so I think it was having the clear conversations, but then also just starting to talking to uh, a SWOT analysis was so important because what I did was I really wanted to understand what the strengths were, what the weaknesses, the opportunities and the threats that the tourism industry saw with working with sports. And once I figured out what the missing link was and what they needed and the tools they needed to really start promoting um, sports within the tourism industry, it was like, I felt like I won the the, the lottery at that right. point, right? It was like, I figured out this master question that everybody had. And so um, it was so good. Like I remember the first trade show, I took my boss with me, Kirk, and, and we were both looking at each other like, okay, how are we going to figure this out? And we just knew that we were going to figure it out. We just had to do a lot of investigating and a, a lot of questions. Um, and that's how we got to getting to where we were and also you know talking to other people we knew that there were other teams that um and, and i have to give a huge shout out to the orlando magic to Haley because um she um when she was there um you know and and she was helping me i i asked her so many questions and so together we were able to kind of like um, piggyback off each other. And I was able to ask her a lot of questions. So I think that to answer your question, when you're transitioning in, into a new, um, into a new career or into a new, yeah, into a new mm -hmm. career, it's so important to be forthcoming and, and, and letting people know that you may not have all the answers, but that you're going to do everything to get those answers, right? And asking other people that are doing it right, researching and understanding and speaking to your clients because your clients know they have the answers more than anybody because they'll be able to tell you like look this is what we're missing this is what we need and then um it's how do you serve your clients how do you position yourself to give them the tools and the resources yeah, that i they love need? that so um and i know we're running uh, a little bit long time and i want to make sure that we cover uh, a lot of other things but so let's transition into um, what are you doing now as a CEO? How has been that transition uh, that you feel that you're ready to take that? Of course, I imagine you will say yes, because you're super awesome. But, uh, but <laughs> how has that changed your life? Um, and then we will move into what is happening now. We had the COVID-19 yeah. crisis, um, pandemic crisis has impacted your business and what things you could share with uh, with with the individuals who are listening to this podcast about coping with you know not being in a network with people right all the time and having a networking right. event or how you could keep your business running so let's just start with how you're feeling about your business where you see it going in the next couple of years and then we transition into how this this crisis this health crisis is impacting your your business right now Sure, sure. Absolutely. So, I mean, obviously, um, being a founder and CEO, you know, it's been, uh, you know, I, I sit there and I pinch myself and I'm like, wow, like I did it right for me. It was the biggest dream I ever had. And and to do it and the support and the love from the industry, from the tourism industry has just been so uplifting. Um, and it was for me, you know, I think um, definitely uh, there is a lot of questions right now because of everything that's happening. I mean, before COVID-19, um, you know, my mission was to give 
sports the accessibility for tourists to have the opportunity to see a game, mm-hmm. right? Because um, when people travel around the world, they want to go see a sporting event. And many times it's not as accessible as buying a plane ticket, an airplane ticket and some attractions. It's like all of a sudden people are like, wait, there's like a million different websites. So my, mm. um, you know, my, my goal was to make it accessible. I was not going to go B2C, but I was going to work B2B, working the tourism industry with the sports right. team and facilitating that when they sold packages of sports, uh, that they would add sports into all these packages that included flights, hotels, mm-hmm. etc. Um, so that was, you know, we were going forward and we were talking to teams and going to meet with leagues and everybody was so excited about this. We were navigating different ways that we were going to work with the industry. And then the reality of it um, is that now going on three weeks, COVID-19 um, had a huge outbreak and um, everything um, stopped because the two industries that had an immediate impact was sports mm-hmm. and tourism. And um, so for me right now, um, it's been a moment of understanding um, what exponential solutions I can bring to the table, right? Understanding how social behavior might be impacted by this. And we do know one thing for sure. People are still going to love sports. People are still going to want to see sports, but is it going to change how they're going to want to see it? So that's the question that mm. I'm figuring out right now. I'm kind of like back to square one on my drawing board to understand how is this impacting? Because I don't think I can continue with the same strategy short term. I have to think of other solutions. And so I look at Lyft, I look at Uber, I look at Airbnb as companies that um, inspire me because these are disruptors. So if that means that I have to become a disruptor um, because the times are changing, um, then by all means, you know, um, Fred Dixon, who's the president and CEO of NYC and Company, I was with him uh, three weeks ago at the end the tallest um, outdoor observatory um, in New York City uh, and Hudson Yards. And I said, Fred, you know, we just looked at each other and I go, it's incredible everything that's happening. And he said to me two things that gave me so much encouragement. He said, Louisa, just remember that in the middle of crisis is is when greater like companies grow and companies like have an opportunity to excel in ways they never thought so before and he goes i say that for two reasons one if sports teams needed you before maybe after all of this happens they're going to need you even more because they're going to want to see like how they can really attract tourists once everybody starts traveling again and, and, and what that looks like but he said second louisa he gave me reference of one of um, the, the the partners that we work with in the UK. She started, she was um, uh, Amanda out of the UK. That was the representation office that they hired in the UK for New York City. And she started two months before 9-11. Mm-hmm. And he goes, and look, she, she, she was able to persevere that storm and she was able to come out on the other side. So I think in the midst of um, in, in, in crisis, of course, for me right now, I am not trying to pitch any team. I'm not trying to talk tourism because that's not, that would be uh, not being prudent of the time. Right. So what I have done these fa- past few weeks is to connect with my clients, to connect with the sports industry, to find out how they're doing. How could I be a resource? Um, you know, I personally 
I'm 99% sure I had the COVID-19 and I'm, I'm finally on right. the other side of this. But even that taught me a huge lesson, John, because I think had I not gone through my body feeling all of the pain and the ache and everything that came with it, I probably would have been stressing about my business and, oh my God, what's going to happen with the economy? But for me, that was a wake up call to say, you know what? You have the most precious gift that life can give you. And that is you have your life. And if we have our life, whatever like hurdle, struggle, uh, crisis comes, we can fight it. But the most important thing that we need is our life. If you are breathing right now and hearing this, we're going to make it through because we're alive, wow. right? So that for me has been kind of like my mantra to know that things are going to be okay. I completely agree with you. And I think that uh, many of the listeners of our podcast are really grateful to hear this from uh, a leader like you because many people worry. And, and, and what I tell people, it's yes, we have to be worried because um, the universe is telling us something and we have to hear, we have to hear oh, yeah. what the universe is saying to us And we have to stop doing things that are hurting our nature, our home, which is earth. And we have to really start thinking about if we are, I just put a post that became really viral not too long ago. And it, it was about, you know, uh, really searching for our purpose in these times and reading mm -hmm. and, and really finding what you want to do. So um, we're running out of time and I wanted to just spend the last two minutes Um, or leaving you really like they did for you when you joined the Nets, a, a white canvas where you could maybe just tell us a couple of things about you more in a more informal way, if you want to uh, put it that way. I'm going to give you a couple of, uh, throw you a couple of questions, and then um, you tell me the first thing that comes to you. Are you ready? <laughs> okay. All right, ready. Got it. All right. Let's do it. Uh, your favorite book. <laughs> My favorite book, um, The Power oh, of Now. Uh, your favorite movie? Oh, uh, The Pursuit of Happiness. <laughs> um, you, the person that you look up to every day? My mother. Right. What do you think about this specific crisis? What is the first thing that comes to you when, uh, when I tell you COVID-19 or coronavirus? It's hard times now, but we're going to be better for it in the long run because we are going to be more unified and we are going to appreciate the little things a little more. Seeing the morning rush, kids going to school, uh, seeing the coffee shops full with people, seeing food in the shelves, having toilet paper. I mean, all of these things that we took for granted, I think we're going to appreciate life that much more and it's going to unify us as a What's group. What's your favorite quote? It's actually uh, 1 Corinthians 16, 13, 14. Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. Luisa, we are so happy that you were able to do this today with us. Um, please, please, please make sure that a lot of people uh, around you are getting your energy because you are incredible. Thank you for your time today here in our podcast, The Background of the Top. And I'm going to leave you to just give the last words before we leave. And for everyone who was listening today and is listening after today, we really uh, want to thank you for your incredible support to our podcast. And I hope to see you soon. Thank you so much, John, for this lovely opportunity. Um, because of the times we're in right now, I'm going to leave you with a quote that I wrote many years ago and is, um, 
be strong and be courageous and do not be afraid for all things are possible if you have the courage to follow your dreams. Together, I know we're going to come out stronger on the other side, as I mentioned. Um, and let's use this time to reflect on on what you know our true passions are and maybe find new passions that were hidden. And um, again, just thank you for the opportunity. I wish nothing but love, joy, and peace to everybody and many blessings now more than ever. Thank you so much, thank John. Thank you, Lisa. Everyone, thank you for joining and have a wonderful Everyone, day. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. Hope to see you soon.